House Speaker Melissa Hortman, DFL out of Brooklyn Park, said the DFL members maintain that the budget surplus should be used to help lower and middle income families and not be spent on tax cuts for those that are allegedly, or excuse me, I'm sorry, not allegedly, already, for those not already doing well. House Speaker Melissa Hortman doesn't want the surplus money to go back to people who she says are already doing well. And who is that? Has she talked to everybody? I'm just curious. Because as I mentioned before, I'm sure she's looking at numbers and she's looking about the income that's coming in. But what about that business owner? I'm sure that Melissa Hortman has gone through and looked at the overhead for those business owners, the number of individuals that they employ, and have decided that they still have enough income coming in to where they don't deserve any of this money that that they paid into that was taken by the state back. I hate these arguments. What I love, though, is State Representative Walter Hudson, who joins us in studio. How's it doing, John? It's, It's doing um, yeah, it is rather disingenuous in light of the things that they've been passing off the House floor this session. So my mind goes to universal school lunch, which the only function that it serves is to spend $250 million a year for people who are already doing well, to, to buy meals for kids who are not hungry and whose families are already providing for them. So that goes against that sentiment that she just expressed. Um, they're, they're also looking at uh, any number of redistributive schemes. I mean, they've already spent $2 billion, $2 billion, the overwhelming majority of it on redistributive schemes. Okay. Uh, the idea that they're not prepared, that they, they need to count the pennies and count the cost for the repeal of the Social Security tax because the price tag scares them. When has a price tag ever scared a Democrat? Yeah. I want to, uh, a moment ago, I was talking about the comments from um, the Senate Minority Leader and you know the Senate Minority Leader, Mark, uh, Mark Johnson out of East Grand Forks, you know, the, talking about... Um, Calls for modest new spending on broad tax reductions announced a plan will be announced apparently uh, today saying it's a great opportunity to make sure people who are taken care of uh, care of are Minnesotans, not the Minnesota state government. And, and, and like I said a moment ago, I don't disagree with um, Senate Minority Leader Mark Johnson, I, but at the same time, I kind of sit back and go. We're beyond that now. I mean, I don't think that you that the Senate is going to be able to get anything of what they want and the House is going to be able to get. It doesn't seem like the DFL's working with you guys on on anything. Is there any room for some bipartisanship here at all in your mind? Because if not, then those words are just kind of I, I understand and I agree with them, but they see they feel empty to me in light of what the DFL is doing during this legislative session right now. I think the thing that terrifies the majority in both chambers is having any difference whatsoever in their bills and actually having to have a conference committee. And so the reason, part of the reason, aside from just partisan stubbornness and not wanting to to grant us anything in the minority, uh, it, it, part of the reason why they're taking no amendments, even things that make complete sense and actually further their stated goals in some cases, sure. right, um, is because they don't want to have to contend with that conference committee that especially if it is truly bipartisan and you get some Republicans voting for things, then all of a sudden you're going to have Republicans at the table in the conference committee and they can't have that. So it's all about total partisan control of the process, which to them is a higher value than literally anything, including repealing the social security tax, including doing right by Minnesotans, including abiding by their own campaign promises, total partisan control of the process is their number one priority. Any, um, anything changed 
as it relates to the the surplus. I know all the stories came out yesterday. It's stable. I just the coverage on it was driving yeah. me batty. But I'm just curious if if that reporting and what came out yesterday as it relates to the surplus number being somewhat where it is, if that's changed the dynamics of anything at all at the moment. Well, there's an accounting gimmick there that you may have noticed in terms of so that one of the bills that they passed this session was changing how those calculations are made. So now they're factoring inflation into the number where they weren't doing that before. So it is not looking at the last budget information that came out in November and then the news that we got yesterday. It is not an apples to apples comparison. If it was, the number would be closer to 20 billion. Okay. Yeah. Sorry, <laughs> that's gross. Um, and so <laughs> the what and they knew what they were doing with that, right? The entire sure. point of passing that bill and changing the way things are calculated is to create the illusion that they oh we only have seventeen point five billion dollars. What are we to do? We can't possibly give back one point five billion in the form of a social security tax cut, um, and and we certainly can't have large rebate checks because we've got so many things to fund, so many services to provide to people. All right. Can you, uh, I know you got here a little bit late. Can you yeah. hang out for a little bit? Yep. Okay, cool. All right. We'll, uh, we'll uh, keep uh, Walter Hudson with us for a, another segment here on Twin Cities News Talk, our state representative. Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130, 103.5 FM. John Justice, producer Robbie, Walter Hudson, state representative, joins us in studio this morning. Running a little behind, but better late than never. Keep him on for another segment here as we talk about what's going on in our legislative session. This one's going to make Robbie mad. I mentioned earlier I had no idea that air supply was from Australia. Did you know that air supply was from Australia? I did not. I had no idea. I just learned maybe about a year ago that mm-hmm. Bruce Springsteen sang Hungry Heart. Come on. I'm not kidding you. It doesn't, it doesn't sound like him to me. Who, who did you think sang it? I have no idea. I just thought it was, you know. I just thought it was just an artist I hadn't heard of before. Okay. I, I, know, I, know, I had no idea about okay. that. All right. Uh, Walter Hudson, we do have uh, a many, um, uh, we yes. have a, mo- a montage of many a talkbacks for you this morning, and then we'll dive into uh, yeah, pick and choose. more of our conversation. There's a lot here. Hey, Tim, Kansas City. You know, something that really burns me up about the school lunches is that 50% of the school lunch programs used to be because it's a subsidy for the farmers, American farmers. And now, almost all of the food that they serve at the free lunch programs is coming from overseas. What in the world is the end game? I don't understand it. Hey, did you ever notice the, in quotes, poor and the uber rich have no consequences of what they're doing according to taxes and or crime? There's no consequences of what they do. Just think about that. So everybody in the middle is paying for, and there's the consequence. They get blamed for everything, and they have to pay for everything. Just a thought. You guys never play my talk back. Come on, what is going on, man? You guys got the same people on here doing the talk back every day. And I put one in every day. I haven't been on one ever since. Come on now, just play my talk back. It always seems like the same thing that the moment the Democrats are not in power, or don't have a control of that particular house or position. It's always the same thing. Oh, you have to work with us. But then when the tables are turned, basically, we never learn. The GOP never learns that they aren't going to work with us ever. Walter Hudson. 
Apart I'm, from the one guy that didn't like the fact they weren't playing his talkbacks. Well, that's that's the one that I'm hung up on. <laughs> Please do address that gentleman. No, I'm just glad we were able to provide some redistributive justice to that individual. Yes. Um, make no, sure he's he- a good listener. He, he leaves a lot of talkbacks, and we get a ton of talkbacks every day. So I apologize. I'm the one that has the creative control back here in terms of playing them on the air. And uh, I apologize if we don't get to yours as frequently. Yeah, as there's a lot can. of them. There's a lot of yes. them. We don't play. Some I, days we get a ton. So, so I think the theme that I take from those talkbacks is that it, it is those of us in the middle. It is the middle class that's being squeezed the hardest. And that, it, of course, is completely contrary to the expressed values and priorities of the Democrat majority who claims to care so much about children, families, and workaday Minnesotans, the little guy. And yet we're the ones who are being squeezed the hardest. We're the ones who are having 80% of our current electrical grid considered uh, illegitimate going into the future. We got 17 years to get to all solar, all wind. That's going to balloon energy costs, which, of course, is going to translate to higher costs of everything. Um, employer mandates that's going to make running a business, even just going to work as an employee, infinitely more complicated uh, and difficult, you know, having to contend with people being gone from the office on a regular basis and irregularity, lack of continuity, um, the, the, the unwillingness to repeal the social security tax, um, increasing taxes, increasing fees, increasing tabs, 160% increase in vehicle tab fees with a $17.5 billion on paper, $17.5 billion surplus in actuality closer to 20 if we're using the old accounting, but they had to change that in order to pull the wool over your eyes. I mean, everything they are doing is squeezing those of us who are barely getting by. Um, and they have to do that because that's where the money is. As For all of their rhetoric about eating the rich, there aren't enough rich to eat especially now because everything that they're doing is driving people who have mobility out of the state. Um, and so they're, they're not going to continue. They're not going to spend less just because they have net loss population in the state of Minnesota. They're going to continue to spend as, as much as they can get away with and then some, and that cost is going to be bared by those of us in the middle because it has to be, because that's where the money is. What is the, have you, have you thought much beyond, um, you know, this year, next year? I know, you know, future elections, but like, what is the state going to look like based off of everything? You know, I, I agree with Walls. I mean, what they're doing right now is is historic, not in a good way, mm-hmm. but it is historic. I mean, the surplus is historic and what they're doing is historic. And I'm just wondering what is your thoughts on what the future is of Minnesota is is going to be under just what the DFL is doing this year alone? Well, there there is some precedent for what they're doing because they're looking to they're looking to surpass California. Right. So look to California, and you can see the direction we're going. Um, chaotic, unstable. Uh, San Francisco, transplanted to Minneapolis. Homeless encampments. Yeah. Um, filth on the streets. Crime run amok. Nobody willing to do anything about it. Um, a, you're, you're going to see a change in the culture because everybody who I talk to says they're leaving the state. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of those, some percentage of those people actually will not mm-hmm. everybody will. Sure. And you're going to see an influx of a different type of person who actually likes this stuff, who, who believes in the false promises and expects the handouts. And that's going to have an overall change in the culture of the state. Um, 
And you know, if this persists, if there isn't a change, if we don't do something about it next year in 2024, if we don't kick the Democrats out of the House, right. to be completely frank about it, um, then that is the trajectory. We're going to see a shift in the culture of this state towards that of San Francisco. And it is going to it's it's going to have a more detrimental impact upon us in Minnesota than it does out in California, not just because um, they're trying to go faster and further and harder than California has, but also because California, it's a lot harder to leave California than it is to leave Minnesota. Yeah, the, California has a lot to offer. Right. And a lot of people like I mean, as somebody who was born and raised there and spent the vast majority of his life there, I can tell you, you know, that California has a lot to offer individuals to take their minds off of everything that's happened. And people have fled there anyways. We've right. seen what's happened in Arizona next door with the individuals that have gone and moved. And there's a big reason why that big portions of Arizona have gone more purple than they ever have before. But even then, California has a lot more to offer than the state of Minnesota does just in terms of attracting individuals and keeping them there right yeah i mean and and it's it's really sad because what they are offering is the promise of handouts but that displaces by necessity the pride of achievement and that's what they're denying minnesotans they're denying us pride in our own achievement pride in providing for our own families pride in building our own communities and building our own businesses in making our own lives they're saying don't worry about taking care of your pretty little head. Don't care about taking care of yourself. We'll take care of you for you. Um, by the way, we're going to need half of your money in order to do it. <laughs> you, uh, well, let me ask you this. Is, is the word getting out about what's happening during this legislative session? And I say this because I watched a clip and forgive me, I don't remember what show you were on a show recently. I think it was on a podcast with two, with uh, two hosts. Um, and somebody was sharing the clip that was, that was, a, there was a clip going around of you on there talking about the legislative session and what it was akin to. And I'm just wondering how many people you've had a chance to be speaking with, how many other voices out there have been reaching out and talking to you. Do you think that, do you think that individual, do you think that it's getting out there beyond the local media? Cause even the Star Tribune and at least in the headline acknowledged that they seem to be doing this at the behest of what they, you know, what the voters might feel. Um, so the Star Tribune's at least acknowledging that little bit of the rapid pace they're working, but I'm wondering if the other people are are paying attention to what's going on. Well, by virtue of the fact that I don't immediately know which um, appearance <laughs> you're talking about, I, I would say yes. The, the message is getting out, and it's not just me. There's plenty of our other members who um, are making the rounds in various media as well, and um, certainly in in terms of you know talking to people anecdotally, face to face, just friends and family. Um, I, you know, I always look to my in-laws as kind of like the litmus test of what kind of information is getting out there and what the general public opinion is because, um, they're not married to one side or the other, um, and are fairly apolitical. And there's definitely a sense that what's going on right now is not what people signed up for. Uh, we're, uh, we're out of time, but I'm wondering this week, I know that, you know, there was, uh, there was, everything was kind of shut down last week, but, um, what is, uh, what's being talked about this week? What's going on in the, uh, in the house this week? Well, um, <laughs> that's, that's just it is because we were shut down last week. What's going on this week is uh, a lot of committee work to try to make up for it. Um, we don't quite yet know for sure what is going to be on the House floor tomorrow. I think it's going to be an announced, or maybe it was announced this morning, and I haven't seen the email yet. 
Um, but you can, the, the trajectory has usually been about four bills on a Thursday night. And usually at least one, if not two of them are highly controversial and the other two are not so that they can get done by midnight. Okay. Um, but you, you can expect that whatever it is, it's going to be full crazy, like everything they've been doing so far. And I'm assuming that you are, well, I don't want, uh, I mean, I'll just ask you, um, your position on the banning of, of plastic water bottles here in the, in the state. I just, yeah, that's going to be a no. Okay. Just wanted to, like, I, I was assuming that, but I wasn't no hundred percent yeah. sure. I did hear that hasn't gone very far, but at this point in time, I don't put it past. I mean, it's being heard, right? I mean, so, somebody, somebody thought it was a good enough idea to write the bill. Somebody else thought it was a good enough idea to hear it. Um, they, they're just throwing everything yeah. at the wall and with no regard whatsoever. I mean, so, okay. So one of the things we might be hearing this week is a, um, ban on so-called price gouging. So you, you take that plus the pa- plastic bottle ban. And basically what they're doing is ensuring that if we have a natural disaster in the state of Minnesota, people will die. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. That's what they're insuring this week. <laughs> Down at the Minnesota House. Well, we'll get caught up again next week. Walter Hudson, state representative. Thank you, sir. Yep. Keep up the good work. Always great seeing you. And we'll uh, talk to you again real soon.